We're doing this series, we're calling it I Want a New Marriage because relationships in our culture are failing. Statistically, they're failing. And statistically, there are people even in this room that your marriage, your relationship's on the rocks. You may be having issues in your life. Maybe you're, in a, maybe you're single, you're not married, you're in a dating relationship. And I really want to help you today. I believe that we can either, as a church, we can just minister to the statistic, or I believe by God's grace, we can break the statistic. I believe by God's grace, no matter what your past is like, from this day forward, God can give brand new life in the area of your relationships. From this day forward, maybe your marriage is on the rocks. I want you to know that through the help of God, He can put your marriage on the rock, Christ Jesus. That He can set your feet on solid ground relationally. He can do things that we can never do in ourselves. That that's the kind of God that we serve. And I believe He wants to do it through His Word. I believe he wants to teach us about what it looks like to have successful relationships in our life. Last week we began looking at the Song of Solomon. And it's a book three, that's 3,000 years old. And it is a very spicy book. It's filled with all kinds of nitty gritty details about a single couple that has a love of a lifetime. It's a really a, a incredible thing. That we have that God gave us in the Song of Solomon. In the Song of Solomon, we're walking chapter by chapter through it. And I've identified five major themes throughout the chapters. And every week we're talking about one of those themes. And we're looking at their love that lasted a lifetime. So last week we started talking about their attraction and what we should be attracted to. If, you're, if you were not here last week, you can go on cityhills.com and listen to that. Because you get to hear about what it was, the order, what the order of their attraction was. And how the order is important. And how culturally, I believe, we get the order all wrong. It's all about how attraction is all about the physical instead of being about the emotional, emotional and the spiritual. Well, this week we're going to talk as we're going to be talking as you heard about uh, the courtship, dating, pursuit relationship. So if you're single here today, this is going to be a message that's really going to connect with your life. Um, if then next week you don't want to miss next week because next week we're talking. They have a honeymoon for two whole chapters, and uh, their honeymoon night is two chapters in the Song of Solomon. And we're going to talk about all of that. We're going to talk about intimacy, sex, and relationships, and all that. If you're this is going to be a PG-13 message next week. So if you got kids, that'd be a great opportunity to introduce them to City Hills Kids. They will have a good time, and, uh, and, 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 and you will have a good time as well. Because we're going to be looking at God's ideal about sex and relationships. You know what? God invented sex. It's not a dirty, bad thing. This culture's taken it and destroyed lives with it instead of using it in God's proper way. And we're going to look at what that is. And you don't want to miss next week as we look at their honeymoon. Well, it's no, no, uh, no surprise that after two chapters of honeymoon and loving, they have two whole chapters of fighting. Because the next thing that happens in their relationship is they get in a fight, a big, bad fight. And what we see through that passage is we see how they resolved their fight, how we fight fair, how we fight together so that we can be able to make it through. Any relationship is going to go through tough times. 
any relationship is going to go through problems. If you're here today in your marriage or you're in a married relationship and you're going through problems, I want you to know don't stop in the middle of your problems. God wants to give you strength to get through those things. And we're going to be talking through that and what that looks like from the Word of God. And then the last week, the fifth part of this series, we're going to be looking at uh, what, would it, what was it that made their love last a lifetime. And that's a very rare thing in our culture today. And I, I really think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing that God has given us in this book. And, and Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 1, it's in your notes, really kind of brings this together Solomon's writing, he says, this is my song of songs. In other words, of all the aspects and areas and topics of my life, man, this is one that I got right, this aspect of love. And it, it says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the maidens Love you. In this verse, we see the goal, and it's my prayer for every relationship in this room and every potential relationship in this room that you would have that kind of relationship that's expensive. He said that it's like perfume poured out. It's it it, it is a good fragrance for the world around us. That that those of us that are part of City Hills would would get this aspect of love right so that we can make a difference in our culture because our culture has it all wrong. And what would it look like if we could Get it right. Well, today I want to get straight into um, what, the, what, what our next aspect of their lives, of their relationship, and it's, it's this area of their dating relationship, of their, their courting relationship. See, dating's, dating is actually a modern invention. I don't know if you realize that. that. That you won't find much talk about dating, the word dating, or really the concept that we have today of dating until about the 1920s. It's not an old concept. The, the concept that has lasted for thousands of years before dating was an idea of courtship. And what we're going to see is we're going to look at what this is in the Scripture. And we're going to see how it differs from our cultural understanding. And I think whether you're married or not or single, it's going to really apply to you if you're single. But, but I believe we have it all wrong in our culture. And um, it's not in your notes. But the book of Hebrews chapter 12 says that we don't need to be conformed to this world. But we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So in other words, the world that we live in is going to pass some patterns down for how we are to live life. And God says, I want you to, there, I want you to examine the pattern that the culture is using. And I want you to see if it's the right pattern or not. I want, to see, I want you to see if it's God's ideal. So before we get into this, I, just, I want to tell you that this is of all the messages I've that I've, that I've prepared for for this series, this is the hardest one. Because this is the one I believe is the most countercultural idea. And I think it relates to the foundation of our relationships. And I believe it relates not just to singles, but parents of children, those of us that want to be parents someday, those of us older brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles, and how we give advice and how we protect the next generation. So that they don't experience the statistic that is in our world around us. So I just want us to take a moment and pray and ask God to speak to us from his word. And I just, I, I just ask that you would be open enough to allow God's word to speak and listen to what he would say. Maybe if it's against what, what you would think would be the right thing, but we would listen to God's word. Let's pray together and ask God to help us. Jesus, I love you and I'm so thankful, so thankful for your word. 
God, thank you that we're not alone. Thank you that you give us, you give us direction for our lives. God, and would you give me strength today to be able to speak your word, give me clarity. God, help us to walk out of this place different. God, I just pray that there would be whole trajectories of relationships that are completely changed because of today and because of what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, we pray amen and amen. Well, the, the overarching idea I want to talk to you about today is simply this, and it's found in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, right there in your notes. Look at, look at it with me together. It says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. So what God is saying is that, that there are certain times that we are supposed to do certain things. That there are certain times that some things are right and other times where certain things are not right. That we don't do everything in every single season. And what you'll find in the love relationship of the, the two people that are described in the Song of Solomon. Solomon, which was King Solomon. He was the author. He was the writer. And then the, his lover. We don't know her name. The Bible just simply calls her the Shulamite woman. But they had a lifetime of love. And what you'll find is that they continually talk about this idea of seasons. And I believe that, and, and culturally we get this right sometimes. As parents, we, we get it right, especially in the area of our child's ed- education. That whenever um, our kids say, well, I don't want to wake up and go to school today, we don't say, well, that's okay, Johnny, you can just stay home. Can I get you a donut? Can I, you know, what would you like? Can I, would you like some ice cream for breakfast? Could I, what do you want? No, we say, wake up, get up anyway, right? It doesn't matter if you don't want to go to school. Why? Because you as a parent, us as a cult, we have an understanding that if they will pay the price now, then they'll reap the benefits for a lifetime. That of their education, if they can wake up, go to school, even when they don't feel like it, even when it looks abusive, like, Dad, I'm tired, I don't want to go to school, I don't feel like going to school, and you say, no, you're going to go anyway. Why? Because I want you to be and receive, I want you to be something. I want you to reap the benefits of education. So you're going to do this. But I believe in the concept of, of relationships, we miss this socially with the next generation. We miss this socially. I was a youth pastor for 12 years before um, I came to plant this church. And I worked with family after family, hundreds of families over 12 years of youth ministry. And this pattern is something that I experienced time after time in kids' lives in, re- in regard to their dating relationships, their social relationships. We kind of have this idea culturally that, well, before you're married, just, just kind of go out and enjoy life. You know, go to college, run wild, do what you want to do, be with as many people as you want to be with because someday you're going to be tied down to just one person and it's going to be terrible and it's going to be so bad. So just sow your wild oats, just do whatever you want to do because someday you're not going to get the chance to do it. Culture encourages us to just have disposable relationships. Those of us that are single, our our culture just, just expects that we would be so loose and disposable with our relationships, with our body, with our sexuality, that we would just give ourselves to whoever in the moment that our heart, if it feels right, how could it be wrong? And we just continually have a string of mistakes along the way. And let me make a timeout right here and say this, that no matter what mistake that you've made in the past, we serve a God who makes all things new. 
It doesn't matter how many mistakes that you've made. It doesn't matter what problems you have in your past. Let me help you out. Everybody in this room has made mistakes in the area of our relationships. But we serve a God who can make all things new and He can redeem those things and turn them for good. If we'll allow Him to. So, so don't let the devil for one moment when we start talking about all these type of things. Don't let him. If you've been divorced, if you have issues in your past. Understand, we all have issues in our past. Just some of us, some people we can see the issue more than others. But if somebody acts like they don't have issues, that's their issue, right? Because <laughs> we all got them. We've all made them. And we're going to keep making some mistakes. But thank God for His grace. Thank God for a new day. Thank God for a fresh start. Thank God for an opportunity to follow after Him. That's what the cross is for. That's what grace is for. So that we can be able to move forward from this day forward. That's what I love. Let's forget about the past. And let's focus on from this day forward. But we wonder, why do we have a culture that is broken in the area of our relationships. And, 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 and it's, it's no wonder if our culture treats dating relationships as disposable. It's no wonder. Uh, I used to play sports growing up, and, and my coach would always say, my football coach would always say, You play like you practice. So we're practicing for divorce in our culture today. We have students, we have teenagers, we have college students that we are practicing singles. We are practicing divorce instead of practicing. What God says. I read recently about some vows. If we'd be honest about the vows that our culture puts about our relationships. Here's what the marriage vows would really look like culturally. Here's the man's vows. I will take you to be my lawfully wedded starter wife. For better and better. For richer as we go into debt. As long as you stay skinny. I promise to yell at you, to ignore you, to neglect you, to compare you to all the other women in the world. From this day forward, I promise to be faithful to you most of the time, work to, work to most of the time, till divorce do us part. That's a man's cultural um, vows. Here's, here's a woman's cultural vows. It says, I take you to be my starter husband. From this day forward, as we try this thing out for a while. To join with you as long as I can manipulate you, to demean you, and to tear you down in front of your friends, to despise you, I promise to be faithful to you as long as you make a ton of money. I'm completely yours most of the time till divorce do us part. See, that's what our culture looks like. We live in a, it's just disposable relationships, but I believe through the help of God we can have some new life. I believe through the help of God we can have some brand new starts in the area of our relationship. So what I want to do today is look through those seasons, three seasons that they had. I believe one of them we experience as a culture. I believe the other two we really badly miss, and I think it puts our relationships on the wrong foot, and it makes us where we cannot experience what God's best is for our relationships. Let's look at it. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 8. It's in your notes together. It says, listen, my lover. Watch this. Watch, watch this first this picture of their relationship. So, so they've already been attracted. We talked about that, that last week. He says, listen, my lover. Look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a gazelle, a young stag. <laughs> she is infatuated with this brother. She says, oh, look at him coming. That's my man. He is, he is fine. He's like a gazelle, a young stag. He is good looking. I am so in love with him. 
See, uh, and it goes on to say, look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows. Sounds like he's like a peeping Tom, right? <laughs> he's a creeper. No, that's not what it's talking about. It says, peering through the lattice, my lover spoke and said to me, he speaks, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. <laughs> They're infatuated with one another. They're in the first season of relationship. And here's, here's the first season of relationship. And I believe we, we all get this. And here's the first season is the season of perfection. The season of perfection. We think, oh man, he is perfect. She is perfect. We're, we're in love. There's never been another person like this person. We're infatuated with one another. I remember whenever I first met Kara about 11 years ago, uh, for those of you that are new, my wife was the, the lady that was singing right here, and uh, we've been married 10 years and have two little boys, and uh, we, we met about 11 and a half years ago, and oh man, I'll, 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 I'll never forget when we first met. We used to talk on the phone, I mean just every waking, this was like before text messages, I, I don't know, I sound like I'm old just saying that. Before text messages, we would just be on the phone all the... We had the flip phone. I had a flip phone. Anybody remember the flip phone? Anybody remember the phone before the flip phone? The, the, just like the little brick phone? What about the one before that? My, what about the one that, you know, flip out and then it had the, little, um, the, had the little antenna that you would pull up? Anybody see that before? What about the Zach Morris phone? Anybody see the Zach? Yes, absolutely. So the history of phones there. Well, we would talk on the phone and, uh, and we would say, okay, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. No, you hang up. Okay, on the count of three, we're going to hang up together. One, two, three. He's still there. <laughs> One night we said, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to leave the phone on all night long. I'm just, I just want to listen to you sleep, baby. <laughs> And we stayed on the phone when I was probably snoring. It's a wonder that she didn't break up. I was probably snoring on the phone in the middle of the night. I kind of woke up. The, what, the phone's still on. I turned it off, you know. Well, I was just infatuated. Kara lived about an hour from me. And she was in college whenever we met. And, man, she would have, she, she, would, uh, she was working a job and, and working a couple jobs. And she, so she was really busy at, in the evenings. And so in the middle of classes, she'd have like a 10-minute break. And, man, I would drive the whole hour with joy in my heart to see her and bring her lunch for 10 minutes of just conversation with my love, my darling. One, one, one Valentine's Day, I remember I drove up there, um, drove, a whole, drove the hour and didn't even see her because I was trying to be incognito. And I wrote, uh, I took a whole box of Valentine's um, cards and I, 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 wrote, I wrote an individual Valentine on every one about how much I loved her, how, how wonderful she was. And, I, and this is probably breaking and entering. I got into her car <laughs> And I put all of them in her car all over the place. And, you know, I, I was just, I'm you talking about being in love. I was, she was perfect, absolutely perfect to me. But after, after you're married a little bit, after you've been together a little bit, you understand everybody, I, she, she learned very quickly, this brother is not perfect, right? Like, like, I ain't perfect. How many ladies would say, you found out he wasn't perfect? Oh, somebody's nervous to talk today. <laughs> Somebody, I ain't getting in trouble on Valentine's Day because I know they are not not perfect. We're infatuated with one another. We're in love with one another. See, and if you're married, let me just take a break to say, you know what? Sometimes if we want to have what we once had, we need to be willing to do what we once did. Too many times we we stop pursuing our spouse 
after we catch them, after we get them. And this is a reminder that, you know what, they're, what we did to fall in love with one another, we probably should have that same type of, uh, of love and pursuit like we once had. See, we are the, and we're going to talk a lot about this next week, but here's, here's the truth we're going to talk about a lot next week, but I just want to introduce it today. That's simply this, that, that you are the only, if you're married, you are the only legitimate source of romance in your spouse's life. If you're married, you are the only legitimate source of romance in their life. And many times as married couples, we stop the pursuit. We stop the perfection. We see each other's problems and we say, I'm not going to pursue you anymore. And we miss it in our love. Some of us may be at the place where we say, you know what? I'm just not in love anymore. I'm not, I, they, don't, they don't do it for me anymore. I just look at them and I just feel disgust. I'm not in love anymore. All the feelings are gone. Well, I want to, we're going to talk a lot about it next week, about this idea of pursuit and romance and relationships. But, but here's, the, here's the reality that I want to share with you today. If you're at the place where you feel like your love is gone and your feelings are gone, that's okay. Because it's not about, love is not about feelings. We live in a culture where love is all about feelings. And I want to say love is about our actions and our feelings follow. Um, my, the pastor that I worked with in Florida, he had a great statement that he would make every time at weddings. And he would say, we love those whom we do loving things to and for and with. That, that, that when we do loving things for people, it doesn't matter if we feel it or not. It doesn't matter if we feel like doing that loving thing to our spouse. Just the act of doing the loving thing causes the feeling to come back. And we fall back in love again as we pursue that person. As we say, well, if you wait till the action, if you wait till the feeling to do the action, then you will never rekindle what you once had. But you have to do, you have to do the action without feeling. Am I making any sense today? I'm trying to help somebody. Because we live in a world and a culture where the feeling's gone, where well, the relationship is gone. And that's a lie because this season of perfection, this is what we're all about as a culture. But here's the reality that they are not perfect. And that's why we need one another. In this season of perfection, maybe you're in this season of perfection as a, as a dating person. If you're in this season of perfection, I want to challenge you. You cannot trust yourself because you only see the good in the other person. You don't see the blank spots. You don't see the problems. You don't see the issues. And that's why we need one another. That's why we need our family. That's why we need our spiritual family, the church. Because we need other people around us that can see what we are in the middle of. Because we can't see it. We're just, oh, they're bounding over the mountains and they're looking at us the lattice and we're so in love and they're so perfect and they can never do anything wrong and then we get married and we, they leave the toilet seat up and they, they don't squeeze the, the toothpaste right and, and they don't pick up their, their underwear off the floor and, and we think, man, I married the wrong person. I'm not in love anymore. See, we miss what, we miss what it's all about. So if you're in this season of perfection, I want to give you some, I want to give you some tools. First of all, you need to submit yourself to the voice of others. You need to have some family, friends, mentors that you can talk to. If you're dating someone, if you're a teenager especially, if you're living at home, if you're someone, you need your parents' voice in the area of your relationship. Here's where dating is very different than courtship. 
Courtship had, the family was very much involved in, in your relationships. In dating today, it actually is something where we take the family completely out of it. We go off by ourselves alone. We make the decisions all by ourselves and say, hey, mom, dad, look what I've done. What do you think about it? And in the middle, we've already let our heart go towards something that we shouldn't because we don't let people speak into our lives. We need to submit ourselves to our family, to our friends, to mentors, to other couples. That's, and here, here's, it goes along with that. You need to limit your time alone. Limit your time alone. And this is whether you're in college, whether you're single. What, if you're not married, you need to limit the time that you spend alone. Because the more time you spend alone, the more you're going to want to compromise on some convictions that you should be having. That means you need to just limit that. You need to spend some time in groups, spend some time with other people, spend some time around their family. Because when you get married to somebody, you don't just marry them, you marry their whole family. So you need to find out what mama's like, what daddy's like. You need to bring them over to your house. You need to see how that goes. You need to limit that time that you spend alone. Bring them around your friends. Spend time together in public places. Limit that time that you have alone because I promise the season of perfection will absolutely lie to you. Limit your talk. Be, be, be careful how you say words of, I love you. I put, be careful how you, how you speak these things. Because you have to understand friendship needs to be. As we talked last week, it's, it, it's too many times are we go so fast to saying things that, that, that our relationship is not at the place to handle those things yet. Limit. We're going to limit what we say. And then... Lastly, limit your touch. The moment you start squeezing, patting, rubbing, doing all that good stuff, what you're going to do, you're going to go to a place that God never intended for you to go right now. You need to be willing to explain some standards that you have up front in the relationship. Don't wait till the moment. Don't wait till the heat of the moment. But say, okay, this is, maybe you need to have a hard conversation even after today. You need to say, this is, this is what I believe. This is how I'm going to live my life. This is what I feel like God, his standard is, his best is. And I'm going to explain the standards up front. Your new favorite song, if you're not married, needs to be, no, 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 can't touch this. You know? It'll take you to a bad place. I'm trying to help you today. You say, I don't even like that preacher. Come back next week. You'll like me a lot better. I promise. I promise. But I, this is our culture. This is something that, that we're missing it so, so bad. Limit our time. Limit our touch. Limit our talk. Because God's got a big plan and we can ruin it so fast. Let's read on to the next season. Song of Solomon 2 verse 11 says, See, the winter is past. I want you to, I want you to focus on the fact that, that they acknowledge that they have been through winter together. They make the point to say, we've been through the winter. Think about the winter. We're in the middle of it right now. The winter is a time where you don't go outside as much as you do in the summer. It's not a time of fruit. It's a time of the roots. It's a time where it's not about the relationship, but it's a time where you're focused on the most important relationship, your relationship with God. Sometimes we can get to a place where we always have to have a relationship. We always have to be surrounded by people. And, and I firmly believe that you're not even ready for a serious relationship until you don't have to have one. 
You're not ready for a relationship until you can get to the point where you can say, I'm content in who I am with Jesus Christ. I'm content in my relationship with God. I'm spending time with Him. And watch what goes on to say. It goes, it goes on to say that, that there's more that's coming along the way. In verse 14, it says, My dove is in the cleft of the rock, in the hiding places of the mountainside. I'll explain that in just a moment. It says, Show me your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. I found this so interesting that the season that's described is a time of winter. And you'll notice in the last passage we read that he is away on the mountainside. He is far away. They are not together all the time. That there's a season that they have been focusing in the wintertime on some different things. And here's the second season. And honestly, I believe we completely miss it as a culture. The second season that we see in the Song of Solomon is the season of preparation. The season of preparation. See, usually we go straight from perfection to, oh, I'm going to be with them every moment. I'm going to do everything I want. I'm going to give my body to them. I'm going to give my heart to them. I'm going to give all these things to them. But what happened in their culture after that season of, oh, I'm in, so, I'm in love. They're bounding over the mountains. They're so wonderful. There was something that happened, a season change, and it was a season of preparation. And here's what would happen. The dad of the groom would go to him and give him an assignment to build a huppah. That's where we get the word hubba hubba. No, I'm just joking. A huppa was, was a house. It was a structure. It would literally be their first house. And after he fell in love, after he said, I want to be with this lady, the next thing happened was he would go to his father and his father would oversee his building of their first house. This is what he was doing in the mountainside. He went away to work on himself, and watch this, with his dad. Work on himself with his family. He had other people speaking into his life. He had some supervision over his life. And I was doing some study. I was so fascinated by this. Culturally, whenever someone would ask him, when are you getting married? He would not say, you know, June the 3rd, you know, whenever the date was. No, he would say, only my father knows. Why? Because he was in a season of preparation. He had some people in his life, his father, that he would say, Dad, I'm going to build this. I'm preparing myself and I want to make sure that if you don't think it's right, then I'm going to submit myself to you. This is not populist, not cultural at all. You may say, well, you're just an ancient relic in your thinking. I promise God's way is better. God's way is better. And watch this. The girl, she was protected as well. Her mom would closely guard her. This is, and then their friends would guard them. This is actually where we have the idea today of the bridesmaids and groomsmen. They would, the groomsmen would carry swords on their side during this time of preparation to make sure my brother did not go and make some mistakes along the way. And so when it came to wedding day, all of these men with swords would be standing next to this groom. Why? Because they had stood by him and protected him. And this is what I'm talking about. Maybe you are married. Or maybe you're married already and this, this, this message and talking about dating and, and, and this is not connecting where you are. But here's what I know. You, have, you are in some people's lives that are in relationships and you can protect them. 
You can be the voice that leads them not to compromise, but you can be part of the voice that leads them to serve the Lord. You can be part of the voice that lets them know, hey, just keep on preparing. God's got somebody in store for you. Do not give up. Who, where were you last night? What were you doing? I, you didn't tell me that you were going there because you are compromising. Like I want to see you fulfill what God's called you to do. So when you stand up with that person on their wedding day, you can stand there with pride knowing that through the help of God, you were someone that encouraged them to make the right decision. That's what we need in our culture. Instead of now the bridesmaids and groomsmen, just who you party with. It's just who you go out and throw a party for, throw a bachelor party with. It's not about that moment. It's about the years. It's about the time leading up and being accountable to one another. That's what I love about small groups. We're, we're, we're beginning, we begin small groups. They're, they're starting meeting. Some started meeting this past week. A lot of them start meeting in the next couple of weeks. And, and, and that's what small groups are all about. They're a place where you can protect one another. They're a place where you can not feel like you're going through life alone. And whenever you leave today in the lobby, there are all kinds of opportunities that you can sign up for a small group. We have small group for couples, for, 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 for married couples. We have small groups for parents. We have small groups for, for, for singles. We have small groups for ladies and men. And just check it out. Check it out. Why? Because we need people in our lives. Here's some characteristics, characteristics of the season of preparation. Standards are extremely high. This is very countercultural. Standards are high. I want to challenge somebody. Don't settle in your relationship. Don't, settle. Don't just let your standards down and say, well, they're, they're, a, they're breathing. No. You need to make sure that they're who they're supposed to be. Put some standards up and watch God surpass them. Watch God surpass them. Families are involved. You say, maybe I don't have a family. Yes, you do. You're sitting right here in the middle of a spiritual family. Let other people get involved. Get in a small group. Let some other people be in your life because we need one another. And then access is conditional. Next, Song of Solomon chapter 2, verses 15. Watch the next season that they enter into. So there's been a season of preparation Solomon, Solomon chapter 2, verse 15 says, Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. Foxes would come in that day and literally eat the blossoms before that they would come to full bloom. There was premature, it was something that shouldn't have been happening because it was destroying what it could be. I believe this is where we miss it in our culture so many times. We miss the culture of preparation. We're not, we're not preparing ourselves in the Lord. And then lastly, the last season is a season of purity. Season of purity. Now here's the deal. Every one of us make mistakes. Every one of us get tempted. Statistically, 60% of men, and I believe that's a low statistic, 60% of men in this room have been tempted with pornography. It's a reality of our day. It's a reality of our age. But here's the deal. Jesus can make all things new. And through relationship, through community, through relationship with God, and through getting connected to one another, God can give us strength to be able to get beyond this and say, God, you know, I've made some mistakes. Yes, I'm in into some things I shouldn't be into and I, I get in some ruts that I shouldn't be. But you know what? From this day forward, I'm not going to miss out on this season of purity in my life. Get with some people. Get accountable. Get real. Watch what happens. So she says there's some things that you shouldn't be doing. It's not the right season. These foxes are coming and they're taking things before they should. 
Song of Solomon chapter 3, verse 1. It's not in your notes, but it is on the screen. Just to continue on with the story. She says, I looked all night, all night on my bed. I looked for the one that my heart loves. I looked for him, but I didn't find him. I will get up now and go about the city through the streets and the squares. I will search for the one that my heart loves. So I looked for him and I did not find him. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. Have you seen the one my heart loves, she said. Scarcely had I passed them when I found the one that I love. I held him and would not let him go. Watch this. This is interesting to me. Till I brought him to mom's house, to my family, to the room of the one who conceived me. In other words, I brought him to, to my family. They were not married yet. The, 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 the marriage has not taken place yet. They're, they're getting the seasons. Right. And then there's a verse. We ended, it, we ended last week's message with this verse. And it happens four times in the Song of Solomon. So of all the concepts in the whole book, this is the predominant idea. Here how, here's how it ends. It says, Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field. Do not arouse or awaken love until the right season. Until it's so desires we got the right feelings happening culturally but it's in the wrong season we need to hear this we need to protect this maybe as or for mary we need some things that we have some discussions about are we still pursuing one another do we have the right thing in the right season i believe if we get the right thing in the right season then you will be blessed amen Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you give us hope in the middle of a culture that just brings us down. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you're not here to condemn us. Lord, I pray that you would break condemnation right now in the name of Jesus and shame that the enemy would want to keep us down. That's not why you come. That's not what this day is about. It's not to look at people that are in the middle of making mistakes and put them down. But just like you said to the woman that was caught in adultery, God, you said you didn't condemn her and you gave her fresh hope and said, don't go, just don't, don't go back to your old life. Thank you, God, that you do this. Thank you, God, that you give us fresh grace. In Jesus' name. Nobody looking around. So I said, when Jesus caught this woman, the woman in adultery in the book of John... Everybody else was just had rocks in their hands ready just to throw their rocks because of the mistakes that this lady had made. She was, had been committing adultery, sleeping with people that she shouldn't have been. And the world wanted to throw rocks at her. You know what? There may be Christians that have tried to throw rocks at you because of some mistakes that you're, you're making or have made. I want you to know Jesus does not do that today. And neither do we as a church. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're here on the journey. But Jesus didn't just say, I don't condemn you. He also said, don't go in sin anymore. If you're in sin right now, I want to challenge you to acknowledge it and to confess it so that God can forgive you. And I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a moment. You need to leave this room and make some changes. Maybe some of us in this room need to cut off some inappropriate relationships. Maybe you need to make the decision to get in a small group. Find an accountability partner to share your internet history with. Maybe you need to break up an inappropriate relationship that's happening on Facebook or 
in your workplace, maybe you need to have some hard conversations with your spouse. If you're here today and you say, Brandon, I'm not in the right relationship with God. I'm not just talking to Christians. and not, or I'm not just talking to non-Christians, but talking to Christians too. You say, God's on my list, but he's not at the top. I want to tell you, if God's not at the top, he's not on your list. Because he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. He doesn't just want to be your Sunday God. Salvation has nothing to do with you joining this church or any other church. Salvation has to do with the reordering of your life and putting Jesus Christ on top. Making him the priority relationship. I want to challenge somebody to take this serious right now. And make your decision right now in your heart. If you say, I'm ready to make Jesus first place in my life. You say, it's not been right, but I want to make it right. I want Jesus to be the priority relationship. Maybe for the first time. Or maybe for the first time in just a long time. That's you today. Nobody's looking around. I'm not going to ask you to come up front or stand up. I just want to ask you right now, just lift up your hand. That's you. If you say, I'm ready to start... A brand new relationship with God. That's it. Nobody's looking around. Be bold. Say, Lord, I'm ready for a fresh start in you. Ready for you to do a work in my life. If that's you today, why don't we pray together with me? Nobody prays alone. We're all going to take a step toward Jesus today together. You simply say, Lord God, I need you. Thank you for your grace and mercy in my life. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me and rose again so that I can live for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, God. My life's not my own. I surrender it to you. You have my life now. I'll follow you forever in Jesus' name. Amen.